You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, and we will be in verses 28 through 44. You know, not only does God know everything, but sometimes he states what he knows in advance of it happening. And when God does this, he does it so that when those events come to pass, we will know that those things came from God. And it's it's a powerful witness to us. Jesus coming to this world was predicted by the Old Testament prophets. And the specifics of his birth, the manner of his birth, even where he was going to live was all spelled out hundreds of years before it actually happened. But even more precise are the predictions of how the Messiah would come to the city of Jerusalem and claim his kingship. And our lesson this morning is called by some the triumphal entry. But it's when Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem for the last time during his first time here on earth. And here are some Old Testament passages that set up this particular event. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. And by the way, uh, you use your version app on your phone or iPad if you want to follow along with, on the notes and go to events and then you will see Freedom Fellowship. Malachi 3 verse 1. Look, I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This prediction, this prophecy was given 500 years before it happened. Zechariah. It's stunning to think about and the actual prediction of he would ride in on a donkey is what sets the stage of what was going to happen here in Luke chapter 19. But there's a passage in 1 Peter that I'd like to share with you first. 1 Peter 10 verse 10 and 11. It tells us a lot about how God presented this plan. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. Even the prophets who had God's ear wanted to know more about what they were prophesying about, what they were predicting. They prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, and they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them. Have you ever noticed that in this passage? That the Spirit of Christ was in the prophets as they revealed the prophecies. 
the spirit within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. This is such a powerful statement that Peter's writing. That the spirit was moving amongst men before Christ came to reveal God's plan. The same spirit that lives within us today. But now it's to all believers, just not hand-picked individuals as God did that in the Old Testament. So as you look at verse 28 of Luke chapter 19, we'll now be in 19. So verse 28, after telling this story, Jesus went on to Jerusalem walking ahead of the disciples. He knows full well what's awaiting him. He knows he must endure the cross. He must endure all the scourging and the embarrassment and the punishment. He knows what's going to take place. He knew what was before him. In John 11 verse 57, John makes it clear here that there was a price on Jesus' head. He was a wanted man by the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders. Despite all that, Jesus wanted to carry out his objective, the reason he came to earth. And he was going to do it in the most, most public way possible. So let's look at verse 29. And as he came to the towns of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead of him. And he says, go into that village over there, and you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there to that no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that coat? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the coat just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, why are you untying the coat? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. A couple of things that take place here. He tells his disciples where to go and what they were going to find. He says, go to that village. You will see a donkey tied up and no one has ever ridden it. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you what you're doing, you tell them the Lord needs it. In this very simple situation, God is working. And one of the things hit my mind, he's going to get on a donkey that no one's ever ridden. Now, when I was young, we had some horses and we had cows and we had a couple of horses that no one ever ridden. We attempted to do that. He wasn't cooperative. This shows in itself just this simple fact that God was working in that animal. I've ridden bull calves, that never one had written, I'd pull the tail up over my shoulder and hang on to an ear and catch him in the lot and do that, try to get on a horse that nobody ever ridden, it threw me off. 
this one just responded to God's will. An animal. So here he is, and the details are so precise that it, it grabbed my attention in a way that maybe I haven't before. But what is even more attention grabbing is the date in which all this is taking place. The arrival of Jesus to Jerusalem at this time was in the Jewish month of Nisan on the 10th day. Well, that's not a calendar we're familiar with, but it's on the Jewish calendar. This is the week of the Passover. That's what's significant. Historians wrote that Jerusalem would swell to five times its normal population. This will be between two to 2.5 million people going into Jerusalem. The population of Arkansas is a little over three million. I asked Alexa this morning. <laughs> two to two and a half million people were gathered in the city. This is all a part of God's plan of the to do this on the Passover week. It was a special day. The day that Jesus entered to Jerusalem was the same day in which Jewish families would select a lamb and then we bring that lamb home and feed it for a few days. Actually four. This lamb would be sacrificed on the 14th day of Nisan, in which day of Passover, in which that was the day that Jesus died on the cross. See the significance? A lamb will be sacrificed on the 14th day. The eternal lamb is going to be sacrificed on the 14th day. One lamb per 10 people, and the lamb will be brought to the temple to be sacrificed. And then the sacrificed lamb will be taken home for the meal for that family. The ancient historian Josephus stated that it was not uncommon for 256 100,000 lambs to be sacrificed in one day. Nearly 260,000, 100,000. There in the courtyard of the temple, the blood was flowing as they sacrificed one lamb after another. The courtyard would be covered in blood as people came in. Can you imagine? There's, there's two million people or plus rolling through there. The city had prepared itself for Passover, happened every year, but they were not prepared for Jesus Christ coming as the Messiah. So the significance of Jesus riding on a donkey, not only did it fulfill prophecy, but this is the significance of it as the people would see it. Kings rode horses in time of war. And in times of peace, kings would enter a city riding on a donkey and as he entered the city riding on the donkey, he would extend peace to the people. This was all symbolic. If he rode into this city during this time of history in this part of the world, if he rode into that city on a horse, they better watch out. But if he come into a city 
riding a donkey, they could take a sigh of relief. He was extending peace to them. So Jesus came to Jerusalem riding on a donkey, claiming his kingship as the Prince of Peace. So now it's the time for the king. Up to this point, Jesus had avoided any attempts of people to make him king. John 6, 15 says, And when Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. It wasn't time. God had chosen the time. And that was going to be the Passover week. When his kingship would be revealed. So as he enters to the city, it's unmistakable what he's doing he left no doubt. Prophecy was being fulfilled. And the people of Israel knew about prophecy. And they see this man who had performed miracles all around them, raised the dead to life, made the lame walk, healed the blind, and healed lepers. All the things that he did, they knew who he was, and they see him riding in on a donkey. He had always walked. So this is what takes place in verse 36 through 38. As he rode along, the, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Again, they knew who he was. And they're praising the miracles that he had performed. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The people are singing. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now John in his gospel puts another element of this situation, this scenario in there. So he says, they took the branches of the palm leaves and went out to meet him and began shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, indeed the king of Israel. See, the palm branches were emblematic of the people's desire to be let out of captivity. See, they were held under the rule of the Romans. And what they were looking for was to be relieved of the Romans. That a king would come in and wage war and take Israel back. See, 150 years earlier, Judas Maccabeus delivered Jerusalem from the Assyrians. They had been captive by the Assyrians. And there was a huge celebration after they were delivered. And they brought out palm branches and sang and rejoiced. And the, the lyrics of the song, Hosanna, means deliver us now. Deliver us now. And this song comes from Psalm 118. If you were to read that psalm, you'll see what these lyrics mean and where they come from. So as Jesus is writing in, they're singing this song from Psalm 118. And their mind said he was going to be the king like David was to come in and deliver them from the Romans. But if Jesus was going to do that, he'd have rode in on a horse. But he rode in on a donkey, which represented peace. So, in verse 39, we see how the enemy responds. We see how the 
how Satan responds through the Pharisees. Because he definitely had, in his, had their hearts in his hand. So he says in verse 39, But some of the Pharisees among the crown were saying, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. So this, all this celebration and crowd noise made the, the enemies of Jesus uncomfortable. They hated Jesus, and they hated what he was doing, and this hatred reached a new level. So in John 12, verse 19, John says this about this occasion. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are not accomplishing anything, but look, the world has gone after him. They were afraid of losing power. They were afraid what Jesus was doing. And Jesus' response in verse 40 was this. He's just not talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to Satan. Because Satan is behind all this evil. Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. Even the rocks will cry out. So that's kind of far-fetched, but if you read Psalm 148 and Psalm 96, you'll see that God, the Bible speaks about how the trees and the hills and the oceans and the mountains and the valleys and the cattle and the creeping things and the birds and all in existence give praise to God. If the people hadn't rejoiced, the rocks would, Jesus will say. So here's the Pharisees' plan. They wanted him, but they didn't want him now. And one of the reasons that this celebration, that Jesus presented himself in such a way that it was a part of all God's plan to force the Pharisees to act. To back him in a corner and make him act. And here's why. In Matthew chapter 26, we read that the Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus, but they, wanted, they preferred to wait till after the Passover. Why? Because there wouldn't be 2.5 million people there. The crowds would disperse and go home and they'd just be dealing with the local population. They could handle the local population. They could handle their with their eloquent words while they were doing this. Wouldn't be any fanfare, but God's plan was that Jesus would be presented on this 10th day, Nisan, just as everyone was getting a lamb to present for the sacrifice. God's plan that the lamb of God would die on the Passover day. Jesus is the fulfillment of Passover. He's the ultimate sacrifice. So, verse 41 through 44. But just as he came closer to Jerusalem, <clears throat> he saw the city ahead and began to weep. This term weep in the language in the Greek that this was written in is a much deeper meaning than we seem to associate with it. Some versions say cry, some say wept. This was a he was distraught, crying, weeping. 
sobbing. Two times in the scriptures do we read about Jesus crying. One, the first, was the time of, he was at Lazarus' tomb. And here's the second. He's crying hard. He is distraught because he knows what's about to happen to the people of Jerusalem. He says in verse 42, and here's a passage. Verse 42, you need to underline it, highlight it, if you have your Bibles with you. This is important. He says in verse 42, this is Jesus, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. You of all people. God's chosen. But it is now too late and the peace is hidden from your eyes. They rejected him when he came and began his ministry. They're celebrating this day because they think he's going to be something different than he really is. And he knows that and he says, it's too late. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because they did not recognize it when God visited you. They didn't recognize him as God. See, it's a, it's a deeply moving moment for Jesus. And he's in anguish because of their spiritual blindness. Spiritually blind. See, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and they rejected him. He knows the future fate of Jerusalem. And in 70 AD, there was a siege by the Romans on the city of Jerusalem. 143 days. There were over 600,000 people were left dead in the streets. That's what Jesus is talking about. They will encircle you. They will build ramparts. They will come against your walls and close on you from every side. And they will crush you to the ground, you and your children. And your enemies will not leave a single stone in place. The temple was destroyed. And all that remains is a part of a wall to this day. Jesus was predicting the future to them. And it was going to happen because they had rejected him. This is a turning point for the Jews. It's a turning point. Jesus came and brought them peace. He brought to the chosen people of God. He brought them God. And they rejected him. So when Jesus died on the cross... And he rose from the dead and went back to the Father and the church began. The church was then, God's word was then extended to not only the Jew but the Gentile alike. But they were shared first with the Jews. The people of Israel. This is a turning point. 
if they had accepted Jesus and his work as the Messiah, they'd have been spared this destruction. Again, verse 42, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. This day was so important. Daniel prophesied about this day in Daniel chapter 9. And according to scholars, Psalm 118 verse 24 is related to this day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So here we see Jesus' divinity revealed. It's finally revealed here in Luke chapter 19. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And because of his all-powerful nature, he is fulfilling prophecy. See, the gospel is revealed here. And John tells us in John chapter 5, he is also the sovereign judge. If you would turn to John chapter 5 as we're winding things up. But John chapter 5, verse 22 through 30. This is a very important passage in understanding Christ and understanding God's purpose. Verse 22. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge. Verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. We'll read that again. Please focus on these words. I tell you the truth. This is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. We believe in the message of Jesus Christ. We believe that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. That he is the all-powerful one. That he is the judge. When we believe those things with all our heart and commit ourselves to that belief, we will not be condemned. Because we have already passed from death into life. Verse 25, and I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice and the voice of the Son of God and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself and has granted that same life giving power to the Son. And he has given him all authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Jesus has the authority because he is the eternal judge. He is the chosen one. He is the one who came to deliver us from the enemy. And I present it to you this morning. You have heard the gospel. Those who hear my voice have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. And I present to you the same question that Jesus made to those people on that day he entered into the city. How I wish today that you of all people would understand 
the way to peace. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today you have heard the way to peace. It is through Jesus. And there is no other way for eternal salvation except through Jesus Christ. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. This is life and death. You've heard the words of Jesus. He says, I'll deliver you from death. And if you understand this day, these words and the opportunity that you have, today's the day to commit your life to Christ. If you haven't been living for Christ, it's the day to commit to do that. So we live in an age where commitment is not a very important word anymore. Whether it's marriage, whether it's at work, whether it's relationships of any kind. And we've allowed that to separate us from Christ as well. He wants us to follow him, walk with him, not just say we believe, but live a life of commitment. So that we can defeat the plan of the enemy. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. And if you're ready to understand the way of peace, if you're ready to commit to Christ, this is the opportunity today to do so. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tonti Town, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.